Welcome to Toasted Lavender Podcast. I will be your host today. <laughs> My name's Delilah. Delilah. Um, hey there. Take it back. Oh, no. This is Cozy 106.5. <laughs> I'm Kai, and I am drinking a delicious beer from Bow and Arrow. It is called Desert Revival, and it is a barrel-aged blackberry sour ale, aged in oak barrels for 18 months, and then re-fermented on natural blackberries with bretonomyces. Oh, yeah. Did I say it right? Bretomyces. Bretomyces, lactobacillus, and pediococcus. Anyway... That's what Kai is drinking, and that is also, I think, what Alex is drinking. Yes, I am also trying this, and I'm sharing a glass with Lisa. It's very cherry Ooh. Yeah? <laughs> I haven't tried it. Oh, okay. So. You're sherry. Um, yeah, I guess I need to pass that on over. <laughs> it's a little boozy. I like the barrel age. Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's boozy. It, I mean, I it's don't just know. really tart. It tastes boozy to me. That's good. It's seven point seven percent. Seven point seven. It's good. I'm a fan. It has a really pretty purple label. It's um, like an ombre purple and pink. It's ombre. Fun. Alex, what are you drinking? Um. Well, I am trying the Desert Revival, but I've just been handed a glass of the. Fast as you, sour red ale from Bow and Arrow, and it's a barrel aged sour red ale aged in oak barrels with all those same, all the same bugs, the bugs that get in there and give it the sourness. That's good. I like that more. Or no, I like the mm. the fruity one more. But yeah, I like the first one more too. I do like that a lot. Red ales are hard. I saw on your Untapped that you drink a. One of the beers that I was considering ordering. Which one was it? It was a red ale. I don't remember who it was by. But you gave it a three. Oh. Lisa does not rate red ales yeah. well, ever. I'm surprised that you even ordered a red ale. Was it from Slackwater last night? Or no. was it? Oh, it was from a while ago. It was some other time, I don't know. Okay. I was like, going to yeah. be really surprised. Like, yeah. sometimes it, I feel like if you end up with a red ale, it was an accident, usually. <laughs> Yeah, or I'm just trying someone else's, and I want to remember how much I didn't like it. Oh, mm. So, right, right. yeah, but this one's good. I like the barrel aged. Yeah, to I, I've never met a barrel aged anything that I haven't enjoyed. So, thank you. I like that. Yeah, it's good. I like those sour red ale. There's the um. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That brewery in Boise that makes the sour red ale. Oh, Barbarian. Barbarian, yeah, that Mm -hmm. peach sour. Yeah. When you throw the sour on it, too, I think it's a lot more palatable than a regular red ale. Oh, yeah. All right. I like the... Are those Roadrunners on there? Yes. They're cute little Roadrunners. That's fun. I thought it was like a reference to the Fiona Apple song this whole time. So I don't know if it is or not. As fast as you can. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, and it's a red ale, and like that album cover yeah. is red. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should just maybe pair it, it together in my mind, whether it 
wasn't maybe they intended it to be that way but it's not explicit well they they were a queer owned uh brewery in new mexico so it probably is fiona apple yeah inspired (laughs) probably is wait (laughs) is is fiona apple queer um no but she has a very queer queer following following. yeah Mm. yeah from what i understand she does absolutely I'm mm-hmm. hip. I I, well, I know things. Uh, so what do we rate the blackberry? I feel like I'm going to give it a four. Good old four. Yeah. I'm probably about the same. It's not like blowing my mind, but it's really good. Anything above a four has to blow my mind. In yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. But like that's a solid ass beer. It's really good. It's a solid ass beer i guess i'd go four that's fine yeah it's a little it's a little too tart for my Mm. palate but it's really good it's quite tart it is quite tart but i'm glad it's quite tart because i feel like if it wasn't tart like that it would be like cough syrup syrupy yeah yeah Yeah. yep exactly they did a good job they did yeah it's well balanced so it looks like it's no longer in production Oh. So good thing we got it. <laughs> yeah. Its average rating is 4.07. So, so there we go. All right We're right on, on track. We're right on average. Okay, what about the red ale? Oh, I like the red ale better, personally. That one gets a 4. That one gets a 4.25 We've rated this me. one before. We have? Yeah, um, as per my untapped. Oh. Was that the one yeah, you I didn't like? Was... <laughs> what do we give it? Do we want everyone's... Oh, should we not, yeah, we should and probably. Mm-hmm. I would give it a four. I don't know. I'm just on that. I'm going up to 4.25 because I really like that one a lot. I also like that. What do we rate it? So when we were in New Mexico, both me and Lindsay rated it at a 4.25. Okay. Oh. Well, would you look still, at that? Would you still give yeah, it Yeah, I think I would. Wow. Yeah, I think that's what I'd give it. That's. I was going to copy you. Staying consistent with what we gave it before, that means we know what we're doing here. That's obviously. a relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> means maybe I'm not losing my mind. You can still taste things after COVID. I can still COVID. taste things after COVID. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. We can we can talk a little bit about, you know, we've been gone for a while. Um, so this is the first episode we've done since December... When we did our interviews. Was it like the second week or third week of December? I think like the second yeah. week of December. It's been a while. Yeah. So So thanks for coming back and listening to us. It's been like two months. Yeah. yeah. And by the time this comes out it'll be two months and more. Yeah. Probably right about two months. Well, I don't know. I can't remember when our last episode But in the out, meantime but... we had Christmas, New Year's, COVID. Yeah. And bottom surgery. Yeah. So I think that we're doing okay. We, we've fun. covered a few major things in yeah, the last little bit. Yeah, we took care of some things. We took care of some things. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, welcome to season three of Toasted Lavender Podcast. I'm Kai, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Alex, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lisa, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lindsay, and I why she her and do are we supposed to say hers like the, pos- the oh yeah there's oh, like the a possessive third one. one i don't I think know you can or, do it however you want i think well c- clearly we've been doing it however we wanted but i just commonly see three different pronouns yeah, listed i don't know what that means 
the hers. The possession. Like she, her, yeah. hers. Hers. Yeah, his. Theirs. Can you assume? And if somebody knows the reason, please send us an email. Send us a message. But can you not infer that him no. also he is his? Him. No, I've seen he, him, theirs. Oh, okay. So when it's in possessive, you want a different... Okay. I mean... I don't know. If anybody has any more information on that, I would love to know why. I think if somebody has decided that they feel more comfortable with, like, theirs, like, he, his, theirs, or whatever the hell, more power to you. Yeah. Everybody can pick whatever they want. Yeah. So... Today, we are going to be starting out with Marsha P. Johnson. It is Black History Month. We are in February. And I will be the very first to say that I am very white. I have not experienced life as a black person. And I don't have authority over that narrative so i just want to put that out there we're all white here (laughs) um however marcia is a saint for the lgbtq community she's an iconic figure in the lgbtq community she's one of the trans trans women of color who really started what we know now as pride Um, Wasn't she associated with Stonewall? Yeah, she was. And there's all kinds of, was she really there? Was she not? Did she throw the first brick? Blah, blah, blah. No, Who knows? But what's really important about that is she was part of the organizing of the Christopher Street Festival that happened in the days following the Stonewall riots, which turned into... The Pride Parade, which turned into what we now know as Gay Pride. Right. Parade or month or whatever. So Celebration. Celebration. An instrumental figure, however you want to slice it. Yes, absolutely. Yeehaw. So um, this is kind of going to take a bit of a different course. Initially, when we talked about doing this episode, it was going to be all about Marsha P. Johnson And then, as I said before, um, I don't feel like I am really, I don't know, like I'm not black. I'm not, yeah, I'm not qualified. I don't, I don't have that life experience to be able to tell her story from that perspective. And so I'm not going to do that. And instead, um, I'm going to pick a starting place, which is the movie, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, which is on Netflix right now. As Lindsay mentioned before, COVID, holidays, bottom surgery, um, (laughs) I've been home recovering with a lot of time on my hands. So I watched this movie the other day, and in my head, I had already watched it. But when we sat down and watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, we've definitely not watched this. And then it kind of started to, like, come back to me. Every time I hovered over it to watch it, it was like, no, I, I can't, I can't do that today. It, it had this like darkness looming over it. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't handle yet another story of violence against trans people. It just, the title, everything about it just promised to be depressing. And so I think that that's, yeah, I just 
You skipped I, it. I skipped it. I did. I weren't ready. Yeah, exactly. Went straight to the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, I went straight to something that just puts me in my safe, happy place, and I don't have to feel sad. Or the Simpsons lately, yeah. right? <laughs> Lots of the Simpsons. Lots of Simpsons. We watched it this week, and I will say I I absolutely feel like I learned a few things. But that being said, it lived up to my expectations. Um, it was sad. It was depressing. Made me think a lot about common themes that haven't changed much even today. Um, you know, however many years after Stonewall. And um, those themes being that trans folks, particularly trans women of color, face an overabundance of violence. Uh, panic defenses from people that murder these people in cold blood are holding up in court. Um, that started with like Matthew Shepard, right? Yeah, yeah. Death statistics for this community rise every year, and every year is the deadliest year for trans people. Every single year is the deadliest year for trans people. It goes up every year with the year. And police brutality against minority communities is still happening every single day. After I watched that, I was just kind of like, uh, like, that wasn't really the narrative that I wanted this to be. So I went to Google Scholar. <laughs> and Shout out Google Scholar. Good old Google, Google Scholar. <laughs> I like Google Scholar. Google Scholar. <laughs> and um, when I, I wanted to keep learning about Marsha, and the first hit when I typed in her name was a research article called Narrative Authority... Theory in the Flesh, and the Fight Over the Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh, boy is right. Because this article brought to my awareness a whole controversy surrounding the film that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Are you familiar at all with the controversy surrounding the film? Um, I think I remember... Maybe. Okay. Well, I don't want to give like a little synopsis without spoilers of what the film is about. Yeah. So, um, the film. Because it's not just a documentary style of Marsha P's life. Like, it's. I didn't know what I was going into when I started watching it. No. So, so the film, um, follows around this woman named Victoria Cruz who is. A trans woman who was a part of the same movement and time, knew Marsha, and was wanting to find out more about the about her death and disappearance and the lack of police work done on the case and that it was classified as a suicide. So it basically the the film follows around Victoria as she's Calling people, trying to talk to police officers, trying to get autopsy reports. Blah, She's blah, blah. kind of playing detective. Yes. In a, while telling the story of what she's learning. Yes. And then interviews. talking and interviewing people that knew Marsha and things like that. Back to the controversy. Immediately following the film's release, which it was released in 2017, Tourmaline who is a trans and queer activist and filmmaker and also a woman of color, accused the film's writer and director, David France, of stealing her ideas and work for the documentary. 
David France is a white cisgender gay man. Is anyone here surprised by that? <laughs> and it wasn't what Tourmaline said lives up. That's it. She She's right. She's right. Janet Mock backed her up. There was a whole... It holds water. Yeah. It's whole... not just an allegation. It's so she kind came of... up with the whole idea and he just kind of ran with it and made it before she could. Is that... Yeah, basically made it so she couldn't get funding because he went to the same people that she would have got funding through. He also, like, took a bunch of her research that she had done. And I don't know exactly what those were, but documents and things that had been dug up in the research to present this. And so she kind of did all the legwork to start putting together. And it's, like, totally empty-handed at the end. Yes. Yes. Did they collaborate at all? Prior to the, to this, he was involved with, um, another person who was sort of, there, there was some crossover, a slight bit of crossover, basically that they had both worked with this gal named Mariah Lopez, who was Johnson's trans kin. So a, a, a child of... Johnson of Marsha P. Johnson, a child as in trans kid. That's as, that's as much of a child as it's going to be. So, um, yes, they had, uh, known each other and worked together. So there's some overlapping of groups, which again is why there's overlapping of resources and funding and research. But yeah, so there was, okay. They were they aware knew of, of each other. other. Yeah. Yes. Did Victoria Cruz have any sort of so hold Comment. on, we're going to get to Okay, this. sorry. So, <clears throat> Tourmaline questions voices who've been pushed aside in the process of making France's documentary, noting that people with resources who already have a platform become the ones to tell the stories of those at the margins, rather than the people who themselves belong to those communities. And there's a few examples. I mean, there's so many examples of of queerness being whitewashed when queerness is really not white at all. I mean, um, but we think about the Stonewall, that the big Stonewall movie that came out in the late 90s that has the lead role as a gay cis man who's the one the protagonist in the film when really like, no, it wasn't, it was trans people that were so sick and tired of being brutalized by the police that were just like, what else can you take from us? And finally just snapped and like started fighting back. But of course, like there's so many examples in history of the white cis gay dude being the star of the show. So this article I'm going back to again um, is talking about theory in the flesh, which was very interesting to me. I hadn't heard of this term before and it's a by it's a, it's a feminist theory by a woman of color. Um, The, the woman that coined this particular theory is, Sherry Moraga, and she's a 
Puerto Rican woman. Um, but I wanted to read you guys the just kind of the abstract of what theory in the flesh is. Please do. And um, that is one where the physical realities of our lives, our skin color, the land or concrete we grew up on, our sexual longings, all fuse to create a politic born out of necessity. Here we attempt to bridge the contradictions of our experience. We do this by bridging and naming ourselves and telling our own stories in our own words. This movie, and I and it, it didn't quite click with me what was so bothersome to me about the movie until I started reading this article. And it makes perfect sense to me that the reason why it's so not palatable is because it's it's framing Marsha P. Johnson as a victim and by doing that it's erasing her queer joy it's erasing the beautiful things that she contributed to our community it's erasing her activism and all those things are so much more important than her just being a victim queer people are so much more than victims and we have all been painted as victims. I was having a conversation with someone. I, I did an interview for the Intermountain LGBTQ Oral History Project with a professor from University of Utah. And I did that interview this week. And we were kind of talking about this. And I'm like, I'm so sick of all of the narrative surrounding queer experience and queer life being sad and negative and tragic and talking about people being put down when they come out and talking about people being murdered and talking about sexually transmitted diseases like AIDS that are negatively correlated with queer people and just the narrative in general of queer people is that it's sad and victimy and hard and you you went down a hard path and can I just I, say I know whose voice that is but I'm gonna go ahead <laughs> I I saw a thing on the internet which may or may not be true but it said that um so you should straight, definitely repeat yeah, it yeah so I'm gonna repeat it <laughs> but it said that straight people are now like more likely to be HIV positive than queer people. I saw that this week too. Yeah. Oh. So like for the first yeah. time ever it's crossed that threshold, threshold. whatever that is, yeah. I was going I was thinking the same thing about how gay people couldn't give blood. Yeah. And, and they I still can't in the U.S. Other I, countries. That's what this article was that yeah. I was reading was like, are they going to start putting those same mandates on straight people? Yeah. But there's a huge blood shortage right now. Well, I and- I looked into donating blood like within the last month because through work there was like an email. They're doing some blood drive. And it's like if you – we've loosened our like gay rules. We've loosened at the our Red gay Cross. rules. So – Oh, if I'd you, love to hear oh, everyone celibacy say that. for six weeks. It's is like, that what if you, you have had sex with a man who has sex with men? If you've had sex with them in the last three months, like you're not eligible. I don't know. It's just like I, there's still some rules. I read something that was similar. That was like we're allowing gay men to 
donate blood if they are pledging celibacy for six weeks before they give blood. That's wild. Yeah, it's... They would never ask that of a straight person. Yeah. Even though their HIV positive rate is now higher. Yes. I really like the loosening the gay rules. Can we all just loosen the gay rules? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've loosened my gay yeah. rules. Can everyone just take a moment and loosen your gay rules? <laughs> I think, too, we were talking about this, changing the, narr- the narrative and focusing more on queer joy rather than it being some curse or some big hardship that we have to labor. Like, we all here at the stable love being queer and feel like it's a great thing and we love it and it's part of who we are in a positive way. But so much of that is how how you learn about what it is to be queer, like what your household growing up teaches you. And um, we have a friend whose son came out and he's 12 and the way he came out is he left a homemade card on his mom's pillow that said congratulations you have a gay son which is just oh it just makes me want to cry like I love that and I love that there's parents that have cultivated that type of relationship relationship with their child and that positivity around being queer that it's not this thing that you have to feel ashamed about or that there's something wrong with you or you have to hide it. Like the fact that he had joy in his queerness and he's 12 years old, right. those parents a hundred percent and the culture they have in their home. That's what that is. Right. So again, kind of going back to this film is that by using Victoria Cruz as the person who's going around and making all these calls and all that. And yes, she's a trans woman and she's a part of that community and was very much involved in those times. However, she's not making the financial decisions regarding any of the, anything that has to do with the movie at all. Um, So really it's just a way for him to hide behind her and use her to kind of further and prop up his own agenda. If do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Furthermore to that diversity becomes about changing perceptions of whiteness rather than changing the whiteness itself. As I was talking to this interviewer yesterday about how I get tired of the sad narrative. Tragic. Tragic. And he was like, he he coined it as, oh, the sad faggot story. Like, we're all sick of the sad faggot story. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously still true. There are sad stories. Absolutely. And but there's, there's a so lot of many. sad. There's a lot of sad. But we're not sad every day. Like, no. we're not pining away at how we're all queer and we were dealt some shitty hand. And we're we not wishing spend... we're straight. Yeah, and I I love being queer. I love my queerness. I feel like that's something about myself that I am proud of. I feel like I'm thankful for it. I feel like I have more of a place in the world now that I am a part of that community. I feel like I have a family built in because I'm a part of that queer community. 
And so I really want to focus on the good parts and I want to tell about the good parts and I want to tell about the good parts of Marsha P. Johnson and what she did and what she brought to our community and what she represented because she was a beacon of light in her community, like really, truly. Um, we see pictures of her and representations of her with different ornamental fun head scarves and really weird and eccentric robes of whatever that she bought from the like just kind of a goddess like right um and i think that she was thought of by her community and people in that way she was just emulating motherly yes sort of figure i think yeah she was in fact i think um when she met Sylvia Riviera, I think Sylvia Riviera was like 11 or 12 years old and Marsha was like 16 or 17 and kind of took her under her wing and was like, I'm, I got you. And then, you know, years later, Sylvia and Marsha P started STAR, which stands for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Yee-haw. Their mission was to provide food and shelter to homeless LGBT youth. And they were also involved in aligning the gay rights movement with other social change movements to help propel forward the gay rights movement. However, here come the gay villain boys again. <laughs> because just like we've seen so many other times in history, um, for example, the... National Organization for Women not wanting to align with lesbians because that's radical. The gay boys didn't want to... They didn't want to align with any other flavor of queer. No, they didn't. And especially trans and especially color. Yeah. So I don't want to jump the gun here. No, go ahead. But Marsha ended up living with a cisgendered gay man. Yes. Towards the end of her... Life yes. and they were running around in very similar circles, um, but he was obviously like gay guy and had that same attitude. Yes, against trans people. Yes, as a gay man, and they didn't at the time really see eye to eye. But then later in life, ended up like being roommates. And I'm I'm trying to remember now if it's that documentary that you watched. Or if it was a different one, but I think his name's Larry. I could be wrong, but um, I listened to a podcast a few days ago. Um, what's the name of it, Kai? That podcast that I sent you? Oh, that something. Gay it's gay history, history, and it's gold. Yeah, there's so many. We need. We'll put that. We'll find it. We'll put it in our show notes because it's a podcast that all of our listeners would really enjoy. And this guy was doing interviews. Um, back in like the nineties, I don't, I don't know if it was eighties, like, I don't know how far back he went, but it was very, he, he's been doing it for a while. And he interviewed Marsha and this guy who I think his name is Larry. Um, the podcast is called Making Gay History. Thank you. Gay so, history. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in this house with the both of them in their house. And what struck me about the relationship between Marsha and this guy is he still, in my opinion, and this was my perception, had the same attitude towards Marsha as like a lesser than um, 
he called her stupid in the like what uh, it was just it was and then i just felt so bad like she's yeah. she lived with this guy for like eight years yeah like it's not i i'm probably not gonna say it in like the most articulate way but to be othered by someone who's has been othered yeah is like extra fucked up right it's mm-hmm. like i crawl up one rung of the ladder and kick yeah. you down a ring yeah yeah exactly so anyway it that's kind of what you were touching on a little bit and it reminded me of this interview that i listened to just a couple days ago and i was i just felt very bad and that plays into this tragic you know theme that we're talking about but it's also just so real yeah and persistent well and also i think it's worth mentioning that at that time um we don't we didn't have the same vocabulary as we do now there weren't the the politically correct terms of the time were not the same as the politically correct terms of now but like we, sad faggots yeah yeah and i and <laughs> when he said that i was like who was this guy that you're Ooh. talking to <laughs> well he was a gay boy so <laughs> but yeah i mean i know that marsha in this the death and life movie the filmmaker goes and visits with her sister who was still alive at the time i don't know if she still is and they all use the wrong pronouns for marcia but we know that she referred to herself using she her pronouns and so i don't know it's i thought that was interesting in that documentary too because like you said they were so focused on her death and kind of this mystery, solving this mystery of what happened to her. I still feel like I don't know very much about what she did in her life. Yeah. I don't feel so like focused I... on her death. Yeah. That That's all it was. It was, she's a victim. You well, didn't get a clear. We didn't learn about all the amazing did. things that she did. But also they showed going back to what you said, they showed quite a bit of footage, which wasn't a ton of her alive, but some of the footage She's dressed as a man. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, and I wasn't clear, like, is Marsha P. Johnson a trans woman or is she a drag queen? Did she spend part of her time as a man or did they skew the footage to make it look like she wasn't necessarily, like, always presenting female? They're like, she was super cool, you know, like, but... There's a hint that, like, maybe it wasn't a full-time thing for Marsha. Yes, that's because I don't know a lot about Marsha. Like, this this is definitely the bulk of the information I know about her is from this documentary. And I feel like I don't have a clear picture of how she presented. what They used her dead name probably more than Marsha. Yeah. They like, I remember her, her dead name more. Oh, And so I'm curious how you feel about that, like, reading this this other well, information. So I feel like that, yeah, that goes back to part of the reason why even watching it in the first place was so, ugh, like, to me. Just, like, like, doesn't settle right. Yeah. It, it is kind of like a, a re-victimization to, like, tear that all open and then peer into someone's life and be like, well, they were trans, so now we can, in, like, investigate what that means to them. Right. And they're not here. And that has, she's not here to. Right. She's not here to tell her story anymore. And that's not what makes Marsha like the figure that she is in the queer community. 
Right. Like, her death and her victimization, like, of course that's important and horrible, but that's not the whole point. If we focus on that, we're missing everything. Yeah. If we... And... And so, really, at the end of the day, the title of the movie, The Death and Life. Yeah. Why do you start a title with The Death? Well, I guess that was the clue, right? You you make it like a true crime documentary instead of, like, a queer culture documentary or right. whatever. So, it wasn't Larry, by the way. His okay. name is Randy Wicker. Randy. Oh, he's in that documentary yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Isn't... If we watch the same one, which I kind of feel yeah, like we watched, had a that. rainbow shirt on, I and remember. they go to his house. Yes, and the reason why Marsha ended up living with him is because he had take Randy had taken in a young queer child who Became may or may nice. not have been involved in sex work as well. So maybe you know, like, but was experiencing homelessness and needed a place to go. So Randy took in this youth. And this youth was really good friends with Marsha and said, can she sleep on the couch tonight? And then she just kind of ended up moving in. Yeah. So. But Randy's kind of a dick. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally. I don't remember but very I, much from the documentary or how I felt Well, about the it. podcast is really. Oh, yeah. It was a little like raw. And I'm he like, He wasn't wow. painted negatively in the documentary. I don't think he was because he was probably giving them a ton of information. Yeah, like they came and interviewed. Yeah. And I remember at the end, there was sort of an emotional moment with him where he was like, maybe this was my fault that this happened because he was supposed to meet her that day and he didn't really follow up and she, there was something there and there was like a piece of information that, um, Victoria presented to him that he hadn't learned and he got choked up and he's like, maybe this whole thing is my fault. So he he is painted as like a caring roommate for sure. I haven't heard that this is podcast. My interpretation of Randy based on the interview that was done in this podcast back in the day when Marsha was still alive and they were living together. Right, and that's a whole different a whole different headspace. a whole different headspace. Well, and especially like there is a lot of controversy around this documentary, and it's from one point of view from you know, a cis gay man. So who knows? Maybe Randy's great. I mean, he, he led like the first gay liberation march in like 1964 or something. Like he was part of the movement in a very impactful way, the same way that Marsha was, but obviously had his issues with trans people, with Marsha, with being associated with trans people, transvestites at the time. Right. Well, and I think really, aside from all of that, though, it doesn't matter because it's not his narrative to tell. And that is kind of my whole point in this whole episode is that, like, Randy, sure, he knew her, they were roommates, and he can have his two cents and whatever, but, like, he wasn't experiencing life remotely in the same way that Marsha was because first of all he was afforded privilege because of his whiteness he was for afforded privilege because of his 
cisness. He was afforded privilege because he was in a completely different playing field than her. And so I guess what my whole point is, is that we shouldn't be interviewing Randy. Like, this isn't about Randy. Yeah. And and that's my whole point with all of this is that, like, whose stories are they to, to tell? And and yeah, Marsha isn't here anymore, but it would have made way more sense for Tourmaline, who is a black trans activist, to, to tell have, this story. Yeah. This was her story to tell way more than it was David France's story or Randy's story or my story. It's It's not about that. It's hard, though, because I think part of it is money, and I think you touched on that earlier. Oh, all of it's money. Right. Like, yeah. who has the money? Yeah, who the has The people that have had privilege to accumulate the money. And right. then so they get to tell the stories. And the people who had the money to go to college to rub shoulders with this director who they know has a deep pocket who they can then reach out to and say, hey, you know me from back in school. Do you want to invest in this project? And then there's another problem that's on top of all of this, and that is that Netflix is a paid subscription service, and not everybody can afford to pay for a subscription to Netflix. Some people don't even have a home where they could have a TV where they could watch a subscription to Netflix, you know? Right. So there's just kind of a lot of, there's a lot of problems there. And it's a lot not- of layers of, like, people that don't need to be in between the story and the human being. Yeah, exactly. And well, so, yeah, that's what we struggled with. Yeah, just and, talking about how to do an episode about Marsha. Right. And and I so yeah, we're sort of doing an episode about Marsha. This is about Marsha, but really what this is about is that no one here in this room has the narrative authority to tell Marsha's story because none of us have lived even remotely a day in her shoes we're all queer but that doesn't just because we're queer we're still white we can't and and I feel like this is a big problem where queer people are like oh well I'm queer I've been I get discriminated it. against yeah. I get it and we don't we we absolutely don't being... well and then on top of that we're not people of color that that's we're, it, and right there. we're not Male to female trans, which is the most discriminated against group in our culture. So the two, my, my two main points that I really wanted to make today are that I really want to see trans stories and queer stories that focus on positivity And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with telling the truth about the negative things that happen because, yeah, there are a lot of hardships and there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that's happened. But like, I feel like we can be a part of reframing the narrative and telling the tale of like happiness and joy. And there are successful relationships. You can you can be in a successful marriage with a trans partner or a same sex partner and get just as much joy and satisfaction out of life as your cis counterparts. And I'm frankly, I'm just really sick of the sad faggot narrative. Amen. So Um, I guess season three is the season of queer joy, 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 
This is the season of joy. That's what I am deeming it. I would also like to say Marsha P. Johnson is a fucking badass and she still resonates. I feel like she made waves that will never dissipate. I feel like she is beautiful and vibrant and brought so much joy to our community and paved a path that I don't think many people would have the balls to do. (laughs) Um, Honestly, like she didn't fucking have anything to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where do you go from there? Yeah. Um, And if you ever watch or listen to her talk, like if you ever see video of her, she has like this magnetic sort of way and it's like we touched on earlier this like motherly thing yeah she does yeah and it's interesting because and there's you know there's a lot of dialogue around this but her and sylvia were super close they started star obviously which star's mission was to take care of LGBTQ street youth, basically feed them, give them somewhere to sleep for the night, make sure they came home from whatever whatever they were doing that day, day, made sure they were safe. Um, And Marsha was very much known as the, yeah, the motherly kind of sweet and... She didn't really... She was positive. She was very That's positive. That's the thing that struck yes. me about her. She's just positive all the time. And, like, that light... Yeah. Even in the video... You watch videos with her, and, you like, you can feel the light just, like, coming off of her. Yeah. And then there's Sylvia, who I hope we'll do an episode on her in the future. She was a lot more aggressive and a lot more... Um, in people's faces there's a famous unapologetic yeah there's a famous speech of hers that she gave where she's yelling at the wasn't gay it a gay, yeah her from yeah. and they booed her right yeah and they were booing her they booed her loudly horribly disrespected her just it's just and she's literally saying it's get us. our brothers and sisters out of jail it's us who have given you the privilege that you have now, and then you've just left us in the dust. Yeah. And they're it's, like, boo, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. God. Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah, that was really sad. Um, yeah, so, again, I just, that, this is my point. I just wanted to say that this is the season of joy. This is the season of queer joy. This is the foot that I want to start out on. And I think Marsha emulates that perfectly. She was and is joy. I I want to say that I really liked the way this episode went. Where I thought we were going to... Where Kai was on the couch... Yeah, I'm all propped up with pillows on the couch for for all of our listeners. <laughs> Just chilling. Um, 
I wasn't sure if we were going to get like a Marsha documentary, like this is her life and et cetera. But then we just got to talk about something that is like more important than one person. Thank you. I, I appreciate that feedback. I, I didn't, I didn't really plan for this episode to go the way that it did, but it, it just made sense as it was going along. So as I was putting it together, not just right here and now, but as I was putting it together, I felt like it needed to be different than what I had initially envisioned for it. And that's okay. Yes. And here's your story about mental health. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes what you think is going to happen doesn't, but it's okay. It's going to work out some way. So is this season going to be like the end of each episode we share queer joy for the week? I can't come up with that much joy. (laughs) Is that too much joy? I don't even have any right now. I don't know. Kai, what's your queer joy right now? Okay, well, I'm going for it. Do you want me to go first? Listen, just because Alex can't find her queer joy (laughs) doesn't mean Just go for it. It's okay. All right. So my queer joy um, is a bit of a story, I guess. But as we've mentioned a couple times, I am just recovering from bottom surgery. And we, a couple days after Christmas, put out to our friend group um we needed to raise some money and um it was a significant amount of money and we raised our goal within 48 hours from a tiny group of people that are our people that are our community that are our queer family and that joy (laughs) will last me a lifetime. So thank you to everyone that was a part of that. Lisa? No pressure, Lisa. I gotta go after that. Sorry, I didn't bring any tissues downstairs for this recording. Um... My queer joy right now is seeing my spouse living his happiest life. And that's, that is my queer joy right now because he is being authentic to who he is. And sorry, he happened to have his surgery two days before my birthday. And so many people were saying like, oh, don't let this overshadow your birthday. Like we still need to celebrate, but that was the best gift that I could have got for my birthday this year is just seeing how happy Kai was. All right. We're a bunch of sloppy slobbers (laughs) down here right now. (laughs) Alex, Lindsay, Lindsay has a look on her face. Like she might throw up right now. Alex, what's your queer joy right Um, now? My queer joy is that I was recently not taken advantage of by the people at Jiffy Lube. Oh! I stood up for myself, and I I am having my queer joy from Oh, I like that answer a lot. Well, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fucking trip sometimes to go to places. I feel like completely that. empowered. I feel like <laughs> I no, know I it's do so not silly. Need new air filters. Yes, yes. So they send. I'm sorry to call out our local Jiffy Lube. Please like this. call out every Jiffy Lube in the United States of America. Every <laughs> one of them. But the place I wanted to go to was not available for an oil change, so I had to go to fucking Jiffy Lube because I was like, on the dash, it gives you your estimated oil life, and we were at like minus 20% mm. oil life. Mm. Not a good position. Pushed it too far. Yeah. Pushed it too far. <laughs> yes. So I had to go to Jiffy Lube, and I hope everyone understands this. Oh, they do. And I got there, and I was sitting in the lobby, and there was another customer there, and, like, kind of an older woman. She was, like, playing videos on her phone with the sound turned all the way up, if uh, that helps. Mm, kind of yeah. a boomer. Yeah. Some boomer woman. <laughs> and then... Some boomer woman. She's the v- victim in this, okay? okay? All right, I'll let it go. Then the Jiffy Lube, like desk person comes around the corner and like comes to talk to her about her car which is a very new car like some type newer of than ours way newer than ours and oh, no and the desk person is like this older boomer woman who you can tell smokes like two packs a day and she was also just like coughing up phlegm the whole time uh. And it's uh, and it's a pandemic. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it is uncomfortable. <laughs> and then it's just like me pretending to look at something on my phone uh, and listening to this conversation between this woman who's hacking up phlegm, uh, and then this no. other boomer woman. Oh no! And then the Jiffy Lube technician—well, not the technician, but the desk woman—the. The phlegm woman says to her, your, your air cabin filter is contaminated, period. She said period it's, or your... No, I'm what saying that. What does that mean? No, I don't know. That's not a real but thing. But that's a scary it's, word. They didn't, say, they didn't say it had like mold on it or whatever. She said it's contaminated and it's bad for your health. Uh, and you need to change it. It's going to be fifty nine ninety nine. Oh, uh, and poor Janet was just says, like, okay, "Okay, we'll do it." Oh, uh, and then, and then your your brake fluid. Look at this. It's bad. Jiffy Lube. You need to redo your brake fluid, and that's one hundred and fifty nine ninety nine. Uh, and you no. have to do this, and like we're rotating your tires, and all these uh, things. No. And I was like. I have time to prepare because they're going to come do this to me. Mm-hmm. And it happened. The coughing woman came and sat next to me and called me like sweetheart and honey or whatever. Oh, the coughing woman? And like just like radiate cigarette smoke, mm. which is fine. She probably doesn't know. <laughs> she can't smell. Well, you um, can. But I can. Um. And I just stood up for myself and I was like, I don't need that. I'm not like, I can't afford all this stuff that I didn't plan for. No, no, thank you. And I didn't let her guilt me into. Did she try? 
yeah, she came out with my air filters and she's like, these are, you have two cabin air filters. Here they are. This Look is a clean air filter are. and this is a dirty. And we've filter. already pulled them out. So why don't we just change them for you? That'll be like $59.99 for this one and $49.99 for that one. So it was going to be over $100. Fuck you. No, I don't want that. Yeah. So I was like, put those dirty things back in my car. If I'm going to drive away for the price of $39.99 yeah. for this oil change. I'm only here for an oil change, period. <laughs> yes. And that cost me like $100 too. Oh my God. I hope that you learned your lesson to never go to Jiffy Lube again. Yeah. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I suggested a much better place. I know. <laughs> and, and Blake went to Jiffy Lube that same day. And he, he also he had a to. terrible time. Where are you at, Blake? We need to get Blake on the podcast. We both to had talk like the worst Jiffy day <laughs> of our automotive lives. They came out with a list like this long yeah. to tell what was wrong with their car yeah. yeah oh i'm sure yeah did blake just flip them off probably i mean he probably Wait, did he pay for it no okay no all right Lindsay, you're up god i don't know how to beat that <laughs> jesus i don't know if this is queer joy as much as it's um like lady power so I'm That's just gonna, gonna I'm gonna yeah, roll I'm gonna roll with hands. it. Yeah. yeah, they can hold hands. I like that. I recently got a new job, which is something else we didn't mention. There's a yeah, lot that happened. There's been a lot of shit that went on in, in all of our lives in the last couple months. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm talking to my new coworker who shall re- remain anonymous. And She's she's basically in in a situation that's like in my future, right? She's, so that's the path she's you're future on. version of me at this point. Okay, as far as career, as far as career goes, yeah. and she's like showing me things and teaching me things, and um, she for some reason seems to feel very comfortable talking to me. So we'll talk work stuff. But I think that 75% of our conversation is like non-work stuff. But she told me um, that she had an epiphany. This is her latest epiphany. And she's told me about one other one, but this is the latest. (laughs) She's like, I don't have to live up to anybody's expectations. Like I've already, I've lived up to what, I expected of myself and I'm at a point in my life where I don't care anymore about what other people think I should be or who I should be or whatever. And this is coming from a woman who, and the way she explained it to me was in a male dominated field, which is true. Computer sciences and STEM fields are very, male dominated still and even more so in my particular field and she was just sort of like she had a moment of like pride of telling me that she's now just doesn't care anymore but she also felt to me felt proud of how far she had come as a woman doing a traditionally male 
job and that she had reached some pinnacle in her life and she feels proud of herself and then that and then that just made me feel good for her right and i have felt similarly to her lately in choices that i've made in my life where i think that i've cared too much about what other people might think or say and I think this job change and it's almost like she's was speaking to the reason that I had that I left my previous job it just felt like a like a culmination of of things the universe was like letting me know that everything's going to be fine but I was just very proud of her feeling proud of herself but it was like she was like sort of mirroring yes. the feelings right. that you she yourself me. have been experiencing. Yeah. She is me. So congratulations. Like through dude. the looking glass. Peace. Like that's yeah. yeah that's I really joyful. like that. That is that is really joyful. I really yeah. like that. Do we have um booze and who's or we we're doing we per joy instead. Yeah. All right. Okay. I like is that, that replacing yeah. booze and who's? For this season, it is today. It is today. We'll see how <laughs> joyful. We'll see how joyful how everybody. Joyful. Feels. Maybe we can all try to take some notes on any joy that we feel throughout yeah, the week. Yeah, I think that's really like it. Might be thing. a fun challenge to just write it down when you find something that sparks joy in your day. There's too much like negative shit that I look at on the internet. Yeah, on a day to day basis. Yep, me too. So I want to, like, pay attention to the good stuff. Yep, me too. I want to pay attention to the good stuff. I like that. And that's... I sprung this on everybody. I deemed this the season of queer (laughs) joy. So get on board. (laughs) We got got some good good ideas coming up. Absolutely. I'm excited. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, we do have one more announcement. Oh, my God. So we have the next issue of our art zine called the LQ that will be coming out in April. It will debut on April 23rd 23rd at Record Store Day at our Record Store Lavender Vinyl. So we are still taking any art submissions and we'll be taking them up through March 15th. 15th. And so if you are some sort of queer creator of any type, it can be stories, paintings, recipes, anything that can be printed on a piece of paper, anything Anything that you created from your own mind and you identify some way with LGBTQ plus umbrella and have some sort of connection with Ogden, that can be as creatively looked at as you want through this podcast yeah if you're connected to ogden if you're a listener then yeah we're based in ogden so you're connected to ogden now so um you can submit those through our instagram and we're at at the underscore lq underscore and check out our bio and there's a link there to submit also by email at the lqzine at gmail.com and you can always hit us up at our Toasted Lavender podcast Instagram as well. So if you have any questions, reach out there. That's Kai's account. 
<laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yep. <laughs> if you want to get to know Kai, just direct message our Instagram account. And also, thank you very much to our patrons who have stuck with us through our we've had a f- two months of silence. Yeah, we've had some silence. Um, with good reason. We really love and appreciate everyone that has helped us out and hopefully we can meet your expectations yeah. <laughs> something i don't know and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find us on patreon at toast lavender podcast oh yeah yep we have one of those Don't we, we have some fun new merch in the pipeline as well oh my god so yeah, we'll just tease that for the horizon. You're teasing me because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Cheers, queers. Cheers, Cheers to everyone. Queers. Welcome back, season three. We're really doing it. We're here. We're queer, and we're drinking beer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a little plug here. For our friends that just opened up a beer store called Salt and Hops, I got a backup beer here that's a little five percenter. Um, the Roosters Black Widow it's a Amber Palette Cleanser. Yeah, yeah, and the art by Richard Bramos. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, go check out Salt and Hops. They're on Twenty Seventh Street, um, a curated beer store. Of course, we are here in Utah, so it's. All 5% are under, but it's a queer-owned beer store. So, cheers to that. And uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. Go find some fun beers at Salt and Hops and other fun things. Yeah, they have some really fun snacks. mixers, snacks, other dog toys, things. chocolates, oh, yeah. dog wine, wine for dogs. Yes. Yeah. I think they were trying, going to try and get dog beer. Yep, dog beer. There's dog cookies. Mm-hmm. All the best things. Dogs booze, snacks, and queers. They got it all. Ooh.